Now we in the, you know, we in the social media world. Everybody's trying to get rich today as opposed to setting up their portfolio for the long term. But like, how do you help a person get that type of mindset? It's a great question. I view investing as a skill and it's a skill that you're constantly developing throughout your life. The sooner you start developing that skill, the better. Stack my money up like Lego. Bet me when I say so. Pull up in the spotlight. Pull up in the it's crazy. Funny enough, I was watching, you know, you got Jerome Powell in front of Congress, right? And for some reason, front and center, they are trying to find a way to, um, which understandably so, right? Uh, in terms of like Russia, Ukraine, right? The U.S. is sanctioning the hell out of Russia and it technically should cripple them, right? They can't uh, do business, especially with the SWIFT. Um, and I'm sorry to get off right the... In other words, how they would wire money. We'll just call it that, right? What Swift is. But one of the things they're saying is that, you know, what's happening is that they still have access to crypto. And for some reason, they are trying to, and it's, you know, it was funny. You know, you get, um, what's baby girl name? She's literally talking to Jerome. Like, why aren't you guys doing something to effectively try to centralize a decentralized asset? So, What's your view on that? Like, will there ever be a way? And obviously I saw it. Like they were like, hey, Binance, hey, Coinbase, can you literally restrict all Russian, you know, wallets? And they're like, no, we can't do that. Right. Like, I mean, technically we can, but we can't. So like, what's your view on that? So it's it's a it's an interesting example through which to look at this question, because you know, I think anyone watching probably agrees that what Russia is doing is not appropriate or okay, and that sanctions are appropriate. Um, and, and I think that's, I mean, if anyone disagrees, we can take that offline, but no one's going to, right? Now, if you want to have a decentralized financial ecosystem, though, the ability to censor or to restrict activity within that ecosystem is a very problematic thing to have in the wrong hands. So whenever I look at something like this, I say to myself, okay, in this case, maybe I want to have that ability, but would I want someone who's my, my political enemy or who has very opposing views to me to have that same power? And the answer when it comes to essentially being able to turn on or off people's access to a financial system is no, because I do not trust a lot of the people out there who have that power and I don't want them to have it. So when you look at society as a whole, to me, the, the idea of a central bank digital currency, right, which is kind of what they're calling it, like if the U.S. had one and there was a digital dollar, I would think of it in the same way I think of a dollar in my wallet. I would not think of it as exposure to an asset class that protects me from, you know, the potential shift to an authoritarian regime, right? It, it fills a different bucket. It might use the same technology, mm -hmm. but, you know, I one of the reasons I got into crypto in the first place was this idea that, you know, your money's not really your money if the government can come in and take it or if another government can come in and take it. It's problematic. And when we used to have a cash system, that was a lot less of a problem. It's a lot harder mm -hmm. for them to come in and take your money. Now, again, if you're doing illegal things to earn that money, then sure, there is a place for, you know, for, for you, sh you shouldn't be able to do that. Mm -hmm. But giving that control mm -hmm. over to people that you don't necessarily trust, it can become a problem very quickly. And, I, and that's, that's, I think, why, you know, if there were to be a, a US dollar, digital dollar, like I'm gonna keep my Bitcoin, I'm probably gonna buy more of it because you need something.
-hmm. I think one other sort of tangent here, you mentioned Jerome Powell. The problem with a centralized currency, like a US dollar coin, is that the same problems you have with the fiat currency in the first place are still there when it comes to, okay, all of a sudden policy says we should we should ease monetary policy for the following reasons and we think it's good for everyone. But really what that does is it's not good for the holders of said token. Whereas Bitcoin, the rules are very clear. Rules aren't going to change. It'd be very hard to change them. And even if you were able to kind of get that fork, people are just going to use the one that they trust the most. And if that's not the one you forked over, you're going to, you're going to once again lose, mm. right? So it's worth noting that no, having clear rules to find the game is important and you don't get that with fiat. Just don't. One thing I want to give a shout out is my dog Copeland is not the typical athlete, right? He's a college professor at Penn. He fucking teaches all this stuff. But he's been in crypto long time ago, right? And so he's one of the people that I don't even, like, he could have stopped playing football five years ago and he still have been great because he's doing real estate and crypto, et cetera, et cetera. But like to a normal investor, right? How do you help them? Because all of your funds, which I respect is next level. Like it's three years from now, right? When you're doing gaming, it's like, oh yeah, we understand. Oh, this might not be uh, legalized gaming in this state and this state, but we believe it will be at this rate. Like how do you help people when it, from an investment standpoint, have a, three, five year horizon, right? To actually be able to have the foresight because now we in the, you know, we in the social media world, everybody's trying to get rich today as opposed to setting up their portfolio from far, you know, for, for the long term. But like, how do you help a person get that type of mindset? Yeah, it's a great question. I think I'm going to answer a slightly different question because I think it, it'll help get to the, the real answer. I view investing as a skill and it's a skill that you're constantly developing throughout your life. The sooner you start developing that skill, the better for a lot of reasons. Um, first and foremost is if you're 20 years old and you just got your first paycheck from your summer internship or whatever it is, or first whatever, you take that money and you invest it. All of a sudden, if you lose a little bit, it's probably like a couple hundred dollars. And you know what? You'll learn a lesson from that. So if you go and you buy a ton of options on some you know, high growth stock and it gets crushed, you're going to say, man, maybe buying options is not something I should be doing. Good thing I only lost a couple hundred bucks and not 20 grand, right? Whereas if you start when you're 30 or you're 40 or you're 50, you're almost definitely starting with more money and thus the stakes are higher and you've lost all that time to learn. So in the same way, you can kind of compound on an investment you make when you're younger, you can kind of compound on the knowledge too. So in my mind, and this may not be super popular for the, the folks out there who think everything needs to have guardrails, like you should start investing as soon as you can. You should do it with money that you're comfortable losing and you should learn as much as you can on your own. Because one of my gripes, frankly, with the existing financial services industry that I, I kind of left and now, you know, I'm, I'm sort of in and sort of not, is they tell you that you have to think really hard about investing and that really you should get a professional to manage your money. And you say, great, I would love to have a professional manage my money here's my hundred grand that I've worked hard to save. And they say, oh, no, our minimum's actually $10 million. So there's no real solution other than learning yourself. And the sooner you start, the better. So how, how you get there is, it's going to be very personal. Find something you're interested in that you like learning about and, and go down that rabbit hole and then see where you are. For a lot of people, that's going to be crypto. That's okay. You may probably want to start looking at some traditional asset classes eventually, because there's going to be 
correlation benefits, you'll learn different stuff. But to me, it all comes down to investing is a skill. The sooner you start, the better. And um, I wish more people, I wish more people would start earlier. You, you've just touched on so many different things that I want to dive in on. You mentioned investing being a skill and that you're always learning like you. And, and I think that's amazing to hear. And, and I would love to figure out what are some of the things you do to continue to sharpen your tools, okay. right? Like, how are you continuing to learn, right? Um, that's one thing. And then another thing before I forget, uh, one of the reasons why I started on this whole financial advocacy, why, one of the reasons why Roth and I started this this platform is because, like you said, you know, I always felt like, okay, you know, you, a lot of people started giving me attention once I made it to the NFL, and I was practice squad. You know, they they knocked on the door and they were like, "Oh man, you in the NFL? He got this boy got a, a million dollar contract." Well, now technically, uh, I don't play on Sunday, so it's really a hundred six thousand, right? So they they would want to invest with me for the potential. However, I'm always like, "Well." are you really going to treat my money the way you treat that person with 10 million <laughs> invested with you? Right. Are you going to be watching over it as much? And so I think it's important to, to, to note what you just mentioned about how you want to still learn these things for yourself, right? Not everybody has the time to be a pro. Not everybody has the time to be a CIO and people are out here trying to keep their lights on and you might work a couple jobs, have kids, all of that type of stuff. However, it's still important for you to take ownership of your money. And I think that that's amazing that you just highlighted that. Like, you still got to learn this stuff for yourself. And, and and again, you might not become the CIO of Brownhill, but you can read, you can sharpen your tools. So what are some of the things you do to still sharpen your tools and how do you continue to, to, to grow um, your skill set? Uh, a lot of great points there. Um, I think that the starting point for me, and it may not work for everyone, is actually getting some skin in the game. Um, and again, you gotta you gotta do that with money. That if you lose, you lose, and you're okay with that. And that's 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 a privilege in and of itself, being able to do that. But I find having skin in the game really helps. So, crypto as an example, because my my personal trading is pretty restricted in equities because of my my vote around hill. In a lot of cases, what I'll do is I'll I'll do a little reading on something, I'll buy a little, and then I'll start to follow. I'll I'll go in Discord, I'll go in the Telegram, I'll follow the the protocol on Twitter or whatever it is. And really, you just got to kind of think like a sponge, right? Find things that are interesting and then, you know, kind of try to drink through the fire hose and whatever sticks is probably what you wanted to learn. And then you kind of go from there. So it, it's a lot of trial by doing. I think um, it's easy to overcomplicate it and, you know, sit down and say, here's my plan on becoming, you know, financially, more financially literate over the next year. And like, that's good too. It's good to plan. But to me, I find it's really helpful to, to, to dive in head first and kind of see what's there. Um, as far as resources, I mean, I mentioned some of them for crypto. It's going to be different for traditional asset classes. But the reality is we live in a world where information is available and it's typically available for free or very inexpensively if you know where to look. Um, it's just a matter of you know finding that right channel for whatever topic you're looking for and, and getting started there. Um, so I think that hopefully answered the question somewhat. I know it's a little vague. 100% yeah. it does. I want to... I want to get your advice here. How do you see through the bullshit? Because like you said, there's so much information out there. And and I also have another question on your time management skills. But right, you say you hop into Discord channels, right? Are there certain red flags that you see that say, hey, this isn't for me? Because there's a lot of investors or young investors out there who are like fire hydrants taking in all this information. How do you weed through what's real and what's fake? 
It's a great question. I, and I think this probably applies more broadly as well. So like, let's say you were just average show and all of a sudden you had a hundred million dollars and you need to find a financial advisor. Um, you're going to have to speak to people and figure out who you trust. And that's not really measurable, but trust is a big part of it. So if I'm looking at a new protocol, you know, there's people I follow on Twitter who talk about this stuff all the time. And some of them I think are legit and some of them are, are you know, faking it and maybe scammy or whatever. It's not a good situation. Once you figure out who that kind of community is that you can trust, you lean on that pretty heavily. And it might be one person you, you text back and forth with. It could be a Discord channel where you think everyone's, you know, good vibes only and on the same team. Um, but you, you do have to, any interaction you're having or anything you're reading, you should ask, you know, what, are, what is this person's incentives? Um, why are they... Why are they involved in this in the first place? And, and kind of try to cut through, can I trust this person um, or people or group or anonymous, you know, uh, Twitter talking head with a, you know, a profile picture that's an NFT. Like you got to assign some level of credibility and trust to people. And that's, you know, once again, there's no perfect playbook for it, but that is what you should be doing with a lot of this. And from there, everything starts to fall into place once you know who you can trust. Awesome. And then finally, on your, on your time management. You know, I know there's so many different things you got to do in, in life, personal life, work, learning new stuff. What's your days like? Like, what's your week like? Or how do you manage your time specifically? Uh, it's a great question. I think I, it's something I, I'm constantly trying to improve. Um, the one thing I will say that, again, maybe comes from a little bit of a, of a place of privilege because I'm able to do this. But you really need to make sure that, like, you're good first and foremost, right? If you're taking on too much and your your quote unquote cup's not full and you're not energized and excited and happy, you're gonna be less good at everything you try to do. So find that find that activity that you allocating your time to it, like fills your cup, makes you feel good, motivates you, energizes you. Like mine, I, I like to go surfing. If I go surfing, I'm I'm much happier for the rest of the day and for the rest of the week. So for me, that's something I prioritize. I will block out time in my calendar if I think the waves are good. Let's say I'm going surfing and the team understands and we encourage the team to do the same stuff at Round Hill. Um, so I guess that's first and foremost. But but as far as time management more broadly, once your cup's full, I don't know. I don't know. Um, you got to pick the things that are interesting to you and then it doesn't feel like work. And I think that's going to be a, a big component of it. And maybe one quick question, and I don't know, Cope, if you got one, but... Um, from an asset allocation standpoint, standpoint, from a kid in his, I don't know, twenties, thirties or so, what what would you say your portfolio looks like with versus stocks, crypto, and maybe I don't know NFTs or something? Yeah, my answer is gonna have my answer is gonna have fewer stocks than the average person probably should because most of my net worth, as it will, is in Round Hill, which is already kind of levered to equity well, markets. Well, not you, not you, the average 20, 30 year old. You probably don't need much in fixed income. Um, you need you need cash to pay some period of living expenses, um, and and maybe that cash is in the equity market with a buffer. So let's say that you want three months worth of expenses. Maybe you have six months of expenses in the market, knowing that if the market goes down by half and you need those expenses, then you still got your three months. But the rest should be, in my opinion, in risk assets. You should own equities. You should own if you like crypto and want to fall down the rabbit hole and do your own homework. You should own some crypto. Um, and I think, you know, again, you'll learn by doing and you'll, you'll tweak over time. I love that. And, you know, one thing I'll add, and then I, again, obviously want to be conscious of your time. Um, but 
one thing I'll add. So I actually was having a conversation with my mom last night who, uh, 2017, I switched up her portfolio. I tore my pet. Uh, and so I was at home, had a little bit of time, switched up her portfolio and, and made her 401k super, super um, weighted towards stocks, right? Towards equities. And she's had great growth over the last few years. And obviously, you know, Mama Duke's got, got, got a little nervous, you know, whoa, whoa, what's going on with the money? You know, hey, I'm about to switch it all to, to G. She said G means guaranteed. I was like, that's government bonds, ma. That's <laughs> they, they mean it's not moving, mm -hmm. right? But one of the things we also could, that, that came out of that conversation was like, listen, you, she, she has a few years, I'm not gonna put her age out there, but she, she, she got a few years until she's, she's retirement age. And, you know, the thought process has always been, hey, as you get older, less risky, less risky, less risky, which I understand and I agree with. But one of the things you just touched on as well, too, is like, hey, you can do six months uh, in the brokerage account. And hey, if the market goes down, you can pull on three months if you need it. A lot of times we think to ourselves, like, I need to put all my money or some of my money, make most of my investments less risky as I get older. But Mom, when, you, when you're 59 and a half, are you going to pull out your entire portfolio or are you planning on breaking that off over the rest of the time you will live, right? So you still potentially have time 